For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. I'm very, very glad that Anthony Portillo, did I get that right? Portillo. <laughs> Portillo. Oh, my yeah. God. The Yinzers always get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, nobody could say my last name. Well, you know, right? When I lived out in Ohio, right? I lived in Cleveland for a year and a half to go to college. I was not oh, like... Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe me, I am too. Um, everybody out there was able to spell my last name right. First try, they were able to say it right. Around here, my family's owned shops for like three generations before me. Nobody could say it right. I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, they say like roof out there in Ohio. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? And then I come here and nobody can say my last name right, but we say Yins and Jagoff and Buggy and Gumband, you know. Um so that's a, yeah, that's, a that, that's a whole different side tangent. Um anyways, how you doing man? What's uh, I'm good, what's good? I'm good. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I get that. I actually, for a while, I host, I ran comedy shows. But before that, I was trying to get into stand-up. And every time I went to, like, open mic, they always pronounced my name wrong. So I, like, made a bit out of it. There's a famous hot dog place in Chicago called Portillo's. So a lot of Midwest people know that. So they just automatically see my name and connect it with that. So it's fine. Okay. Uh, but... To answer your question, it's going well. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm stoked. I'm a big fan of your show. I love the guys that you have on, and I'm honored you considered me to come chat with you, dude. That's super cool. Yeah, of course. Well, I had our candidate for Western Vice Chair, Bill Cox, who is the chair of uh, here in Westmoreland County on a while back, and he is just solid dude through and through. And I told him on air that, you know, at first I was a little skeptical when I actually nominated him, but um, 
he's proved me wrong multiple times over and um as usual my um my judgment of people's character is typically a fault of my own it's never of the other person and um i'm glad that bill was absolutely no exception he's just a solid guy through and through who really cares about um you know libertarianism and bringing liberty into people's lives through the libertarian party which that's an important kind of distinction right some people just care about bringing libertarianism through the libertarian party and that only i you know I, i think all of us prefer liberty over just the lp so um you know i guess how what brought you to libertarianism and then we can kind of hammer on the details into why um you know we both probably agree on why the libertarian party is the best way to go yeah so for me i have my my family's immigrants my dad came here from argentina when he was nine so i have uh an abuela and a bunch of aunts that are from cuba So I grew up on one side of my family here in the horrors of communism and seeing just the the difference in like happiness in my family's lives because they like, I'll tell you a crazy one. I had an aunt come to my apartment and I had an extra bedroom in my apartment just because I found a cheap two bedroom apartment. And she like literally was like in tears because she thought that I was a millionaire because I could afford two bedrooms because growing up, they didn't have bedrooms. They were like 15 of them in an, mm-hmm. in an apartment. And they all had their own spots on the floor where they fit like puzzles so they could lay down. And uh, and on the other side, all the dudes on that side of the family were vets. Uh, they all had a healthy distrust for the government. So I grew up around, you know, bikers and Cubans and just like greaser type white dudes. So for me, it was like every, everyone around me sort of had a rebellious spirit. So I was naturally inclined to that. I ended up being on my own when I was like 15, close to 16, basically took care of myself since then. So I've always kind of leaned towards anarchism. And uh, as a kid, that was like, you know, I read uh, the first books I ever bought on Amazon were the secrets of methamphetamine manufactured by Uncle Fester <laughs> and the anarchist cookbook. <laughs> and then uh and then like then i started getting into like books that were banned in some countries so i read like uh uh the crowd and psychology of revolution by gustav leblanc there's like 48 countries i think you can't even get that book in and like dictatorship to democracy and i got super interested at a real young age in politics i remember watching you know the results of the clinton bush senior election in 92 my grandma let me stay up late and ever since then, I've like literally, I'm 39, I just turned 39 years old. I've watched every presidential debate that's happened since then. I just, so I've always been a nerd in that regard. And now I have kids and my kids are 16 and 17. My son's going to be 18 this month. So it's like, you know, my job is to teach them how to be a man, how, how to be a woman, how to engage the world. So that's what like kind of drove me to get involved in all this. So the hope for me is like, maybe I can use all that stuff that just made me look at the world differently to help them make better people. And if I can do that and make a difference in my community at the same time, I feel like that's something that I'd be proud of. When, I, when I'm when i at the end of this road, I can look back and be like, hey, I, I taught my kids like a, a good way to look at the world and respect authority while questioning it and maintaining their autonomy and their reliance on themselves and not looking for the state to control anything in their lives. So right. that was, that's a huge thing for me. 
Yeah, I think that's huge as well. Um, one thing that I've preached a lot on this show is that um, more important than libertarianism and even to some degree, your physical and mental health is family because, you know, how are we supposed to propagate the great ideas of our founding fathers and that of, you know, individual sovereignty, autonomy, consent, and um, property rights if we don't teach this to our children, if we don't and if we don't, you know, represent those ideals within ourselves. Um, so some people get caught up about, you know, just being the most principled person in the world. But, you know, I think if we want to make the Libertarian Party or just libertarianism a movement itself, we need solid people, strong leadership. We need strong fathers, strong mothers. And we need to, I don't want to say necessarily go back to tradition, but maybe go back to tradition and represent strong families so that way you know people don't think we're just these crazy hedonists that want to smoke weed and shoot guns off our back porch, <laughs> right. which yeah. oh, you know okay that's fine if you want to do that but um you know i think there's something to be said for you know the ten thousand man army of solid families who of people who like they're all great interesting strong people and then they're libertarians that's my whole right. thing. I don't want people whose entire lives is staked in politics. I want people who are interesting people beyond politics. And you're a father, you're the son of immigrants and this, you know, rugged individualism that was kind of bred onto you. That's very interesting. And I think a lot more people kind of need to think that way. Like, hey, I'm all these things, then a libertarian. Yeah, I, that's the way I see it. Because honestly, I think values are bullshit or principles are bullshit outside of community, right? Like it doesn't matter how upstanding you are if you're on an island by yourself. So I think ultimately, if you're not making yourself a better person for the sake of yourself, like you're not going to help the people around you in any way. That's, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, politically should always be like, you know, fourth on that rung, in my opinion, like I'm a dad first, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, uh, you know, then I'm like libertarians, like far on the list for me, because I'm like, these are principles I believe in. So I exemplify them in my daily life. So I don't have to like, tell every person that I talk to, like, hey, let me tell you about liberty, because they hear my perspective. And they're like, hey, how'd you get there? <laughs> and then it opens the door for me. So I think the best way to operate in those terms is like if you it's like kind of what you're doing right I, I like what you're doing it's like you're putting the two things together liberty and health right so if you in your own life if you put those two things together and then you have a community that can bring in other things you're you're reinforcing like your barriers like every layer ripple after you drop the pebble in the water is getting like bigger because of the community you have so I think that's where you get to like the LP part of things, right? Because like outside of my family, I want to be associated with people who are like me, who think like me, and I can learn from and we can learn from each other. And we can have that 10,000 person army, and then see people from the outside seeing what we're doing and being like, hey, how do I be a part of that? Because that looks pretty good. Those people look happy, they look healthy. And they have some pretty cool fucking guns. <laughs> yeah, see, they're, they're all smoking joints in their free time and you know, <laughs> right. sipping on some whiskey or something like that. You know, dude, that's, that's awesome stuff. But I, I, I preach this message so much, but I think it's so important because I, I was kind of railing in our Thunderdome chat as regrettably as it is to be there. Um, it's like, 
the LP is filled with some freaking losers who it's in their entire life is to sit on Twitter, argue with people and, you know, read about certain people in the Liberty movement. And the wise Larry Sharp had told me who cares, who cares, go up to a random person on the street and ask them if they care about what's going on new in the new Hampshire libertarian party. Ask them if they care about what's going on in the libertarian party of Delaware. Do we care? Yes. Should we care? Yes. But the average person doesn't care. They care about inflation. They care about what they're paying at the pump. They care about their family. They care about their purchasing power. They care about things that are quite frankly, outside of political infighting. So when you come up to this person and tell them, Oh, well, I need you to read Rothbard. I need you to learn everything about the intricacies of the Libertarian Party. They're going to be like, no, <laughs> get away from me. I, I don't I, care. Yeah. So um, part of the reason why I have this show and why I encourage people to just be better people is just so that way we lead by example and people think, hey, I want to be like that person. And then when they find out your political beliefs, because you've already built up capital with these people, they trust you because of the other values that you show, then they'll be interested about your political views. And then maybe you can kind of drop those little seeds like, well, look at all the money they've printed in the last couple of years. You don't think that's kind of affecting you on the back end? Like your 401k may not be able to go as far as it once did because of all the money that they've printed. Just drop the little seeds here and there. And then maybe one day they'll come up to you and say, hey, man, you know, I listen to the peter shift podcast i listen to tom woods and all of a sudden dude i gotta get involved you know what is this libertarian stuff i'm so excited to learn about it yeah my neighbors don't give a shit about if you're in arguing over short time preference or long time preference they care that bacon's ten dollars a pound on it used to be six right so it's like you get lost in the weeds and i'm a big i've been a reader for a long time so i always try to like I, I try to look at a, the world through a different lens. It's like, I, I think of the man in the arena quote, you know, like it, if you're in the, I'm too busy getting a shit kicked out of me in the fight to give a fuck what your opinion is. And if you're not in there with me fighting, then I don't, you don't, you're not worth the time of day. Some of these people, like, especially when you get insight into their lives, I really hate the shit on people, but like, I sincerely like feel bad for a couple of these guys because they one lack self-awareness. They think they're principled and they're not, but it's like, dude, you, you got a wife and kids and your own business and you're like going out of your way to shit on a person you never met to make them look bad. And by the way, you play on the same team as them. It makes no sense to me. Like, why are you throwing the game? And, and from my perspective too, it's like, I'm newer to this shit. So I really couldn't care less. I look at it from an observational perspective. But when I first came around to like, hmm, maybe I should look at like the Libertarian Party because I had been around Republicans. My ex-wife was a Republican committee woman. So I had been tied in with some of those circles. And I was like, I would go online, man, and see some of these like Libertarian groups in PA. And it's and it's literally the same kind of shit you see now. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, none of those people are going to say that stuff if they were standing in front of you. So it's like entertaining if you're stoned and bored and like there's a commercial during the game, but otherwise it's not worth the energy. You know what I mean? I'd rather uh, like, I'd rather have a beer with a dude who's having a bad day than argue with some idiot online anyway. So I try to look at that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes you could even boil it down to some of those people having arguments like that. So, you know, maybe that dude's a little fucked off about something. And I feel like a lot of this stuff would boil over if, 
we were all closer and it's like dude you don't really mean half the shit you're saying um there's specific specific instance that i'm thinking of and i don't want to call anybody out but I'm, I'm sure everybody listening and anybody who knows me and is in that chat knows exactly what I'm talking about. But like, I've went to bat for this specific person many, 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 many times when everybody was out for blood and I made a joke and yeah, perhaps it wasn't the most appropriate, but um, you know, it's funny how to my face and every other time, always cordial, always very nice. You make one joke and all of a sudden you're a racist piece of shit. <laughs> oh, dude, it's like, come on. I, and it's just silly arguments. Like people, I don't know what happened in the world, but people like forgot what comedy was. So like now that we live in this space where jokes are taken literally, mm-hmm. you can't even be sarcastic anymore without someone getting butt hurt. Because it, it, it's like, oh, he must, he must really think I'm retarded. If I thought that, I wouldn't call you that, right? Because that would be a yeah. thing. You're just being an asshole, so stop mm. it. You know, it's uh, those people, it boggles my mind. And to see, like, man, I, I could not, as a man, like, attack someone's family. One. Oh, but yeah. also, part of my idea for the solution to this is to, like, I'm, I'm really good at putting events together haven't done comedy shows and events previously so in my mind i'm like yo let's get these people to like a brewery somewhere let's get them out to a show where there's like a band in the background we can get some good food we can have a couple drinks we can like sort it out right like are you really gonna talk shit about my family after you just sat with my wife and kids or you know whoever your husband and kids however you want to shake it out but it's like what, you really going to say that about the guy's wife who you like just sat and broke bread with? I doubt it. And if you do, then you're a bigger piece of shit than we thought to begin with. <laughs> so we probably shouldn't invite you to the table anymore. Right. And, and <laughs> I feel like a lot of these bad faith actors are kind of exposing themselves. And it, it amazes me some of the shit that people will say through a chat that after they've been cordial with you and then they'll get on a chat and you know hammer the keys home about how you're this terrible person and oh all these people of this specific group are terrible it's like dude come on man would you really say that to them and that's why i don't talk shit to people online i try not to argue although twitter's a great medium at like getting you into (laughs) arguments but and i'm in there way more than i possibly should or than i should be by far but um like I just do not, I'm not that guy who's going to go out of his way to tear people down and make people feel stupid. Now, if you get shitty with me, I'll forgive it once or twice. Now, don't expect me to stick up for you again after you got shitty with me. But, you know, if you come at me pretty hard, expect to get slapped back. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And I'm like, it's funny because I think someone asked me the other day, like, define the non-aggression principle. And to me, I'm like, the only time I'm ever going to choose aggression as the answer is in self-defense. But I promise you that goes out the window if someone laid a hand on someone close to me. It's just, is without a question to be like anything in the realm of family is like, that's an act of aggression. So you kind of get what's coming to you. Because I grew up in like a neighborhood where we talk shit to each other and that turned into a fist fight. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, I get it, but 
the other, and, my, and my other answer to that is like violence against the state is always okay because they're in a, st- a constant state of aggression towards us. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm all for that kind of stuff. I wish people, they had more copies of uh, Dynamite available. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just yeah, being yeah, a little extreme good. for the viewers. Yeah, so um, <laughs> don't come to my house, though. I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, you started reading in an earlier age, you said. Um, what were some of the books that really kind of shaped your mind to where it is now? Oh, uh, Camus. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, the Alchemist. Uh, I, I read that like when I, I don't remember when I read that, but that's like a book that, that really shaped me a lot. Uh, as a kid, I like to read a lot of like I like to read storybooks, but I love history books. So I've read a ton of shit on uh, like the Roman Empire and Spartans. I like those like war books. So I read the mm-hmm. Art of War when I was like nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I got, I, I, and it actually taught me to be a better reader. So by the time I got to high school, I had really moved on to like bigger, denser stuff. And then I went crazy. I start, dude, I had my bookshelf so confusing. I have like fitness books. I have political books. I have finance books. I have like, you know, self-help books. It's all over the place. <laughs> so, so uh, Camus, man, I love like Kerouac and Bukowski. So those, like, I always dreamed when I was a kid, I used to write in a journal and I had this weird little ritual I did because my life was a little fucked up. My grandma raised me and she was an alcoholic and being on my own from the time I was 15 16 you know i i discovered drugs when i was 13 was like the first time i ever did heroin so feel inside my upbringing so books were like my escape but i also like i'd read like hunter s thompson uh the hell's angels and dude this guy's like living a life and like creating art at the same time so i was in my in like the fantasy in my head i wanted to be like one of those guys that was just like the guy who went from one town to another and wrote about what he saw and shit like that. But then I discovered politics and history and it's just kind of gone off from there. Like right now I am reading, uh, I'm reading a book on the Roberts rules for parliamentary procedure. God bless uh, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book by Slavic Zizek called God in pain. And I'm reading chaos about the Manson family murders. So like I have like a morning, afternoon, afternoon and evening book. And I try to, that's like my meditation period. But I always have like a healthy mix of stuff going on because I love that shit. Now, like as a, as a man and like an adult and watching my kids being like, I'm taking care of them when they're at an age that I was already taking care of myself. It's like, I have such a, a appreciation for those people now when I read those books, like, it, it means so much to me to see like, hey, that carried through, carried me through like a terrible time in my life and brought me to this place where like now, you know, like my kids will tell me they have this issue and like, I'll immediately think of a story I read somewhere. I'll think of like a situation and try to like figure out how to apply something I've learned to that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like one of my favorite quotes, I always, I always get it wrong, but uh, Camus, I highly recommend him. He's my favorite writer. Uh, he, he says, you know, don't don't walk beside me or don't walk behind me because I might not lead and don't walk ahead of me because I might get lost. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Like that line meant so much to me when I was a kid because I felt like an island. So it was like I was this weird misfit looking for my people and my path. 
and at different times of life, I thought I found it. And obviously in bad places, drugs, girls, selling drugs, you know, whatever you get into when you're in crazy in the head like that and young and don't know any better. But also those are the same uh, forces that got me on to the path that made me the man I am too. So it's like all that shit works into itself and really influences your mindset if you let it. And I think it, a small view of the world, man, is just not a good way to live. You know, you need to educate yourself. You need to like, just like working out. It, if you're not like constantly trying to grow and learn, you're missing out. And it's really a mindset thing. It's like fixed mindset or, you know, flexible mindset. Like if you have a growth mindset, you're always going to want to do something. You're always going to be like, Hey, what am I doing? Yeah. I definitely found that after, um, I don't even want to say after I graduated from college, but um, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's definitely like the human machine is built for suffering and built for struggle. And I, I haven't really talked about my past a lot on the show. I'm thinking about doing an episode on it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, my mom had cancer three times growing up. Right. And there's plenty more to go from there, but um looking back at some of the things I've seen, some of the things I've been through, um, I don't think I would change any of it. And to kind of bring it back to, you know, the time and effort, you know, the struggle, I started off making minimum wage at McDonald's when I was 15 years old. Right. And then I worked at McDonald's for about a year and a half. I worked for my dad who owns an automotive shop. And then I went and worked at a uh, General Motors, a Chevy dealership in Trenum, real small town, right? Making minimum wage still. I moved out to um, Cleveland and worked at a NTV and I was making $9 an hour. And I was like grateful to make $9 an hour. <laughs> in 2014 or 15, right? I mean, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm making $9 an hour. So then, you know, I move on to another dealership. I make a little bit more. So it's a long-winded way of saying that like, man, I got my balls kicked in all throughout my teenage years. And now I'm a 27 year old dude who owns his own house and I'm getting married this year. My fiance and I have four cars. Life is fucking good. But you know what? I took a kick in the teeth for a long fucking time. People that I work with now think that, oh, you know, he's really got his shit together, you know, or, you know, oh, he's lucky. He's making all this money now. Dude, you have no idea. I got kicked in the teeth and beat the fuck out of for my entire fucking life i was making 725 at a dealership told oh you're not paid to think you're just paid to do you do what i tell you to do when you do it but you know what looking back at it i'm grateful for every second of it because i would not be where i am today and i wouldn't have the work ethic i have today if not for those experiences absolutely and you probably wouldn't have the resilience you have today if you hadn't gotten gotten your ass kicked a handful of times you know what i mean that's that's the way i look at it i think we have like a jaded perspective on like our faults and shit you know what i mean there there's like in especially in american culture we have such like uh just oh there's a problem let's like throw a pill at it you know what i mean doctors don't really like try to treat people they just try to prescribe shit to them but like disease management yeah exactly but if you looked at if you look at other cultures they they were always trying to grow you know like buddhists like life is suffering like literally that's they're like that's that's what we want to do and we love it so much we love the journey so much that we'll go through it hundreds of times if we have to to get to the destination and everybody else has it backwards they're like oh the destination looks great but they don't have the balls to go through the shit that it takes to get there 
you know i like the uh the japanese when they used in in like ancient japan i saw this somewhere they like when cracks or when pots would crack they would fill the cracks with gold to like add value to the broken pot mm-hmm. where like in our culture we're like oh that's broken i'll just buy another one <laughs> it's like no there's beauty and brokenness and you can find it if you look for it and mm-hmm. if you have eyes to see if you're not just like stuck in one place you know if you're not yeah. just like oh this is it but the hard part of that is now we live in a world where like dude it's hard right like i'm a single dad with two teenage kids and i'm doing it by myself right so like when i see fucking dude bacon is 11 at my closest grocery store that's crazy right like everything and you like we my son and i work out we try to eat clean and like i've had to go to three different grocery stores some days because it's not chicken in the grocery store so it's like I, I'm sympathetic to people who haven't taken that journey already because I can just see how difficult it has to be now. But it also makes it pretty obvious to me that guys like you and I and people who think like us are uniquely equipped to help those people kind of see that there's a, a different path and a, and a way out of that. And if you bring them into a community that's been there, done that, right, got the scars mm-hmm. to prove it, why, what a more comfortable place to like to be. And you don't have to know uh, about Austrian economics the second you walk in the door, right? Just right. like, hey, I like I like these people. I like what they're bringing. Like, let me just hang out. You know, I'm not trying to take my buddies to business meetings. They fucking suck. <laughs> right? Yeah, but so it's 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 got to be about meeting people where they're at. So mm-hmm. I've had so many people assume that I've been like jacked, disciplined, and tan my entire life. I was like, dude, I was 250 pounds three years ago. I was miserable. My back hurt. I had suicidal thoughts. I mean, life was it wasn't like is it wasn't bad per se, but like I just didn't feel good. It was a long freaking journey to get to where I am now. I had visual abs three or probably four months ago, right? I was miserable then too. Like yeah, people, yeah, <laughs> people get this idea that it's about the destination. Like you were saying, it's as soon as you get there, oh, everything's going to be great. But guess what? You struggle so much along that journey, but you're grateful for every little step, right? right. So I did a 500 pound deadlift probably a month ago at about 190 pounds. And I'm very, oh, nice. very, very proud of that. Thank you. Um, but it wasn't like I just slapped on the weights and picked the fucker up no no my god you know how many times i went up to that bar and picked it up got it a little bit off the ground had to set it back down and then guess what a couple weeks later come back to it get a little bit higher dude it's a freaking struggle and look i would never tell anybody look you got to go out and do six hours of cardio in the morning and you got to resistance train three hours at night and you can only have one carbohydrate per day and then the rest of your diet is lean ground beef no no, I mean, oh, before they're at like, hey, why don't we just try to get you to work out maybe once or twice a week? Let's get you to walk a little bit after meals and let's get yeah. you to just eat a little bit more protein. Those are like the three basic things that I would ask right. of anybody who's just looking to start losing weight. But, um, you know, same thing kind of applies to libertarianism. I'm not going to ask people to go dip their toe in or, you know, drink a whole dive into a Rothbard right away, you're going to meet them where they're at and just kind of say like, well, don't you think your taxes are a little high? And you right. know, <laughs> you see it bring up like the Festivus report, right? Like, you know, your government actually spent $10 billion on COVID test tubes that turned out to be pop bottles and show them like the receipts for this stuff. Like, right. 
do you think that they really need everybody they're taking right. from you? you? You meet people where they're at, and then you can just push them a little bit further, and eventually you'd be surprised at how far they come. And, you know, you get to the point where they're saying, oh, my God, you know, I just repped out 10 reps of 165 pounds of the bench press, or I've been listening to Ron Paul every day. Like, you'd be amazed what you could do if you're just okay with taking little victories at a time. Oh, yeah, and then those people start teaching you things. And then right. you're like, wow, look at this. Look at the relationship I just built there. And now you have, like, I have people that I've known it, since I got involved for, like, months, literally months. And they're some of my closest friends now. You know what I mean? They're people I talk to all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, hey, I, like, I send kid, clothes for the kid they just had or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I, dude, I, I love these people. I look forward. We just went and did the Don't Tread on Philly thing. Mm-hmm. uh saturday in the blizzard yeah. 19 degrees out and it's snowing dedication there's a, there a group of us but it was like dude it was all my favorite people so like yeah i couldn't feel my feet but like i was with my friends so it was like this is a good time and i pussied out to be honest i only wore one pair of socks so i hung out for the speakers but when they went to do the march i was like i'm gonna have to cut my feet off if i do this <laughs> so this is literally as soon as i got out of the parking garage it was like four inches of snow that was like water i was like yeah I, i'm i'm that bougie i'm like that much of a suburbanite that i don't even have like snow <laughs> boots <laughs> just like what pair of sneakers am i gonna wear to the city <laughs> yeah did i rough. yeah i don't think i blame you at all um so kind of tagging on here what um what specifically kind of brought you to the libertarian party and what gives you faith and optimism about it so what specifically brought me this time it, uh, around like i had investigated it before um when i saw gary johnson on rogan uh, i took a peek again because i was a little curious um to see like what was going on with that a little bit uh, I didn't really think he had a shot, but, and obviously the Aleppo thing killed him, but, you know, like he's a well-spoken guy. He did good work where he was. So I was like, all right, let me see if I've never, like uh, the only, I generally have voted in, uh, like I've always voted in down ticket voting, except I did vote for Obama the first time, just because I thought it would be cool to have a black president. And then I quickly regretted it because he was very <laughs> fond of drones. Yeah. I didn't know that was a hobby of his. But I've been a registered libertarian since I was registered to vote. I just, you know, never cared to get involved. And then I've been a Legion of Skanks fans for, you know, like eight years, nine years, yeah. you know. So I, I'm like, like I said, I'm dating myself a little bit, but I was like from the old school, like ONA comedy class of comedians. Mm-hmm. So um, I hear Dave Smith find part of the problem, Robbie Bernstein, and through him, Scott Horton, and you know, Tom Woods and all those guys. And I'm like, all right, I like what these guys are saying. I wish I was hearing more of this from people around here. And then lo and behold, I see ice on Tim Pool, And I was like, oh shit, he lives like 40 minutes from me. Let me get <laughs> try to get in touch with this guy. And after that, I, I hit the ground uh, running with those guys. I've just been involved as, in as much as I can. And what gives me hope for that is I think, first, I think we, we're uniquely positioned right now everybody's pretty fed up with the establishment on both sides, right? We have this like duopoly illusion. They're all the same fucking thing, man. Mm -hmm. They just, the only difference is the rhetoric to appease their bases. 
they're, they're not any different. None of them care about you. None of them are in touch with the world you live in. Half of them probably don't grocery shop for themselves, right? Like, you ever see Cory Booker pumping his gas at Sunoco? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, these people live like unrealistic lives and don't, and are so out of touch with the people that they're supposed to represent that I think people are tired of it. And COVID really exposed their cards in that regard. It was like, you censored people for shit like months ago that now you're saying. So you told me to hate that guy, but now you're saying the thing you told me to hate that guy for. So guess what happens? Now all those canceled people get bigger, right? What happens when they attack Rogan? His audience grows. Every day you see people on Twitter, like I never listened to Rogan before, but I'm a fan now. Yeah. And it's like, so I think when things are like that are happening, there the time is like, it, we're in a good spot timing wise to get the message out to people who are more receptive than they ever would. And honestly, it's like, I hear so many people when you talk to them about libertarianism, just in general sense, it like, oh, it's a waste of the vote, right? Like how many times do you hear that? People say that shit all the time, right? right? Like, oh, you voted for Gary Johnson. You helped Trump get elected. No, fuck you. I voted my conscience and my principles and it's my vote. So I'm going to do what I want with it. (laughs) But also like, did you really think that Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump was fucking Jesus? Did you think they were going to like save the world and cure hunger? So I think the faith that people put in leaders and their lack of like showing up when they needed them is putting us in a good spot to really get people's attention. And I think the group of people that we're doing it with in particular are fucking workers, dude. And like, it's, it's crazy to me how quick you, like I work in my department at work, there's like 25 people. If someone sends out an email like, hey, can someone work on this? There's probably like a 10, 15 minute window where like someone's busy, but they could do it where they're like, let me see if someone just grabs it quick, right? Like when you're in a signal chat and someone's like, hey, can anybody help with this? There's 10, 15 people within a minute or two. Like, hey, what do you need? Send me whatever you need. I'll drive wherever you need to go. It's like, you know, you don't see that in many places, man. And they're they're fucking loyal. You see the, the... way some of our friends get treated and everybody comes to their back it's like i I appreciate that because ultimately we're all like we're wired to be tribal right Mm -hmm. so the people who spew the like oh i hate caucuses like you can miss me with that because it's the same thing as like you and your family don't get along with other people in your neighborhood right (laughs) so like should we dissolve families or just gonna go full marxist now and (laughs) cater to the establishment so it's all like to me, I, I just see this group as like, these are the people I want to go into the battle with. Mm-hmm. And like, if this is the hill I die on, this is, that's who I want to do. Right. You know, I, I feel the same way. I think this year and 2024 are going to be huge years. Um, I know they always say that every four years is the most important election of our lifetime. But um, right. I think this time we have reason to believe it's different. Um, the lockdowns and COVID, um, I'm, I'm going to get torched just for saying this, but Biden wasn't as bad on COVID as he said he was going to be. Now that's not to downplay the vaccine mandates, obviously, but, um, you know, originally he was really flirting with lockdowns, but 
honestly, part of me wants to believe that there's just no appetite for it. Even amongst like some crazy left people, even some of them are sick of it. So I just really think there's not this hunger for this growth of government. And in Trump's last year, he exponentially grew the government with eviction moratorium, stimulus checks, the generous unemployment benefits, all this ridiculous stuff. People just don't have an appetite to see that stuff anymore because it's like, dude, this person's not working and they're making more than me. So what the fuck's going on here? The debt just exploded. In the last five years, we went like from it was like 20 trillion to 30 trillion. We just caught crossed 30 trillion dollars in debt just the other day. Yeah, I I read a stat that said in 2020 alone, more money was printed than Mm -hmm. was ever printed in history put together. (laughs) Yeah, because at one point they were dumping like a trillion dollars into the stock market to prop it up and it lasted 30 seconds. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was the most ridiculous shit. And it, and I think too, like if you play that tape forward a little bit, think about some of the things they did with like the child tax credit, right? So I just did my taxes. So for part of the year, I was on unemployment. I got the child tax credit and I, I needed the money because I didn't know if they were going to take 600 bucks away from me and maxing out unemployment doesn't pay my bills. I've worked my ass off. So I don't, so I make more than 700 bucks a week or whatever it is. So it's like, I can't live off that. I can't feed my kids off that. So right. uh, I held on to that money. So now they gave me the tax. I didn't opt out of the tax credit because obviously financial uncertainty. You want to like, hey, I need that money now. I don't really care about the tax return. But there are people that do care that like now I, I have to pay the IRS 75 bucks. But how many people are like, now I can't pay my property taxes because I don't have a refund. Like how many people are going to get put in a bind come spring, summertime because they did the child tax credit thing alone, right? If you're expecting 10, 12,000 bucks back and you get five and oh, by the way, bacon's still $11 down, right? I think I said 10 when I started. I'll just exaggerate. By the time we're done, it'll be 15. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly going up. (laughs) Just like it, I mean, soon enough, by the time we're done, it might be 15. Who the fuck knows? (laughs) Right? And then then people go online and they're like, hey, they're like, hey, how am I going to pay this bill? Or what, what do I have to finagle? And then you go online and you're like, oh, Facebook lost $200 billion. Like it's no big deal. And you're like, what does that fucking number even mean? Like, I'm thinking about dollars and cents. And like, these people are just, they don't even exist in the same world as me. So I think that 2022 is going to be a good indicator of the temperature uh, of the room. Mm-hmm. And as much as people hate it, if we're being honest, Dave Smith is a better candidate than anyone they've run in a while, right? And And to think about it in terms of reach, you literally have a guy who has an audience of his own that's huge and has a group of friends where he can literally reach millions of people. Right. Why would you not want that? Oh, why? Because he told some fucking joke or because he because you never got drunk and had sex with your girlfriend, you fucking loser. Right. Like (laughs) miss me with all that shit. It's so silly. Right. It's like you're missing the forest for the trees. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we arguing over words a comedian says when the dude legitimately knows his shit? He knows what he's talking about. There's a reason that people are talking about him being in that position because he fucking he lives it. 
Mm-hmm. So let's go, right? Yeah. It's, so, oh, sorry, Gab. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so um, that message getting to all those people in the midst of, like, think about how many people he reaches now. Multiply that by a couple of years from now, his audience is going to grow. His friends' audiences are going to grow, you'd hope, right? And then now you got a guy serious about a run going to all his friends like, hey, I'm doing this. Dude, if he, could you imagine? I read an article today, right? There's two theories they're floating around because the Clintons keep popping up now that, you know, Epstein's dead and Delane's in her safe house wherever. Isn't it odd we've never seen a picture of that bitch get locked up? No one ever asks. It's all sketches. Right, like, you, you, you might get me pulled off YouTube because my episode with Eric oh, Jackman to read. No, 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 you're gonna get the no, we, we broke but, we broke down the case and the fucking episode got pulled from YouTube. Uh, this will go on YouTube. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know, I, I don't think it will, but I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of funny that they uh, only had sketches. Sorry. <laughs> oh, now I lost my train of thought. See what you did, me? but uh. <laughs> Yeah, totally derailed me. Because as soon as you said that, I was like, well, of course, because YouTube's probably run by pedos too. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're probably all in there together. Um, well, kind of tapping on what you were saying there is that um, it's like gatekeeping with some of these people in the Libertarian Party. Like, you're in a small pond, and I hate to say it, but nobody cares about the Libertarian Party right now. Why don't we change that? And it is changing. There's people coming in. If Dave Smith brings people in his way, fucking do it if there's nick sore work even if he brings people in do it i want all the good libertarians out there to come to the party and work their asses off to bring liberty and even if there's people who are republicans that think they can do it that way go do it that way prove me wrong whichever way you think is the best way to get to liberty cool exactly just get after it go do it but you know, when it comes to a guy like Dave Smith, who's really good on messaging, right? The dude can get on Joe Rogan. Like, who do you guys know that's going to do the same thing? And right. who do you know that has the solid messaging that's inspiring, right? Right. That's what it's about. We have to make, you know, politics or getting into politics and learning about it inspiring. Because, right. you know, look, fuck Donald Trump. He should be in prison for the rest of his life for the war crimes and, you know, all the other shit and for failing the American people in 2020. But guess what? That dude knew how to speak to the room. That dude knew how to right. communicate with people. He didn't hate the people who were voting for him. Most of the people on the left, they hate you. If you're a blue collar dude just trying to make a living, they fucking hate you. They think you're a racist, misogynist piece of shit. They hate you. All a fucking president had to do to get people to fall head over heels for him was just tell him, I don't hate you, and that you're getting fucked. So imagine a guy, a New York comedian, who doesn't hate everybody, who can relate to people as a dude who grew up in New York to a single mom, relating with all these people and able to explain the most beautiful political philosophy that's ever been created. It's right. it's a recipe to wake up a ton of people. I'm not saying he's going to win. Could he? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what 2024 looks like, but it sure as hell is a great chance to get the message out there and teach a whole ton more people that just are not aware of it yet. Dude, can you imagine, right? Like, what do they need to get? 11 or 15% to get on the national debate stage? 15. Right? 15? I think it used to be 11, right? Yeah. 10. It's so, uh, uh it's, Something like that. <laughs> Don't read me right now. Uh, no, but, 
but uh, but yeah. So like, imagine if he if he get uses that exposure. Imagine Dave Smith on a fucking debate stage with Trump or DeSantis or Hillary Clinton or Michelle Obama or whoever. He will dog walk those people on the war on drugs, on foreign policy, on the economy, on the on lockdowns, on the police state. Like, <laughs> think about it. He will make them look so silly. So that's actually the last thing they want, which actually helps us. If this Rogan shit recently is any indicator of like how that stuff goes, as soon as he gets out there and starts getting attention and they're, they're start to get concerned, they'll try to censor him and his platform will just get even bigger. So then more people hear about it. So it is realistically the only shot they, that you, we have going forward. Let's be honest, like Joe Rogan averages 11 million downloads an episode, something like that. Right. How many downloads is he getting if he has on fucking Joe Jorgensen? No offense to her or whoever voted for her. Like, right. listen, I, I don't know the lady. I'm just saying, like, how many people are going to watch Joe Jorgensen on Joe Rogan? Mm-hmm. Not many. Just to be honest, it's not. Right. Either, Gary Johnson didn't get as many, the Rogan bump everybody else got either because, like, you know, most people don't look at libertarians as a viable option mm-hmm. right now. Right. We can change that. Right. And we could, we're doing it locally, right? In Pennsylvania, we have 150 elected libertarians right now. Like we're doing it locally, right? And my my focus right now, personally, is trying to get in the, this eastern vice chair position. Trying to get you know the there's only two counties in the east that need to be organized. So after that, my focus is going to be fundraising, social events, get boots on the ground in places, getting us out at you know like local events. We have all sorts of like you know farms up uh, my way where they do you get a table there's stuff all over the place we should be out there we should be letting people know who we are and setting ourselves setting ourselves up for that future because i look at it this way i'm like if i can we can make this party strong like i want to run myself sometime right but i don't want to invest time or money right now running in against a lady who's been the state rep in my district for the last 16 years because literally no one will take me seriously (laughs) right like i mean people some people will but not enough right so it's like i could try i can knock on everybody's door three times it doesn't mean they're going to vote for me because they don't know who i am they don't know the libertarian party so if we can grow the party and we can get our names out there get our people out there and people know who we are know what we're about then we can we can turn that 150 into 350 and we could get some elect uh, some libertarians elected to Harrisburg, and then we could get some to DC. <laughs> right. And then it's you know, so it's like we'd start with that local shit, which is why I love the Mises Caucus because like, hey, affect the place right where you're at, right? Like, so for me, I'm like, I, that's why I, I I committed to the cause. That's why I decided to run because I was like, I want to get this party. You know, I want to be the gold standard for what the Libertarian Party should look like at a state level. And then I want to run some candidates and I want to win some fucking elections and I want to take the flight to these people. And I want more people to hear about liberty in a serious manner from people who are passionate about the cause. Right. And this is why I think Libertarians have Pennsylvania in particular is in such a great position because we have so many locally elected Libertarians like we have mayors mayors who are libertarians here in pennsylvania so if we set the stage for you know turning pennsylvania let's say hypothetically yellow which 
really, if you think about it, by the way things are going, it's not impossible. It's still going to be an uphill battle. But then people see that and they're like, oh, well, maybe this is viable. And I will be the first to say, if the elected libertarians do not do what they are elected to do, I will make sure I will do everything in my power to make sure you're the fuck out of there. And we get someone who will do the job in your place. And that's the way it has to be. Look, if we're going to claim to be libertarians, we have to be better than the two parties because Republicans pay lip service to the values that libertarians represent, but they never come through on it. We cannot fail on that. And that is so, so, so important. I cannot stress that enough to anyone who talks about libertarianism or is going to be elected as a libertarian. You have to come through. It is like... I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, that's but, that's super important. It's it's not just getting people elected; it's getting the right people elected, right? right? Like one of those mayors. Think about it, and people can say what they want about demographics or population, right? right? I think she won her her election for mayor by like thirty eight to like thirty four or something. So this is a small town, yep. and she beat out a Republican. If I'm, I'm, I apologize, Kate, if you get your, all your shit wrong, spreading disinformation here. But like in a small community, she was elected mayor as a libertarian over a Republican. Right. It was probably a lot harder to get that to happen there than yeah. it would have been like in my neighborhood where there's thousands of people and a little bit more. Was she, you know, was it the person she was running against an incumbent too? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Were, yeah, that dude. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I right. I tell her all the time. Like, I, she gets shout outs on shows frequently. But yeah, like yeah, that's that's an awesome feat. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's powerful. And the thing is, you got to think about how Ron Paul stayed in Congress so long, right? And when you know his story, it makes sense. And I think about this a lot in terms of like where I live, right? Um, you have somebody who delivered thousands of babies, right? Well, these babies all grew up and knew who he was, right? That's why I push for leadership in your community. Because if you build capital with the people around you, they don't care about the, the title next to your name because they know you as a person are a good person. And yeah, obviously, if you go behind their back and fuck them on stuff, then they're not going to vote for you again. But look, if you build up capital with people in your community and you say, hey, I'm, I'm a libertarian, I'm running against the incumbent, can you give me a vote? And they know you and they know the values you possess, right. dude. It's a slam dunk. And I really don't see any better way to do it than this localization. And a lot of people are open to this too, because after 2020, you know, our lives here in Pennsylvania were different than that of people in Florida or that of Iowa or South Dakota. Our lives right. are completely different. They're also different from people in New York's, but not by much. But that being right. said, um, people are ready for something else. And they're looking to their local areas because they realize, hey, if my mayor can say, ain't happening, then, you know, I don't care if they're libertarian, Republican or Democrat. If they tell, you know, the feds to go pound sand when they tell us that we have to put locks on our businesses because of a cold with a 99.9% survival rate. Right. People don't care. They want to go to work. They want to live their life. They want their liberty. So if we can do that, if we can win the trust of people by being shepherds and leaders of our community, then that's what we got to do. And I don't see another way around doing that to move forward libertarianism in our state and all over the country and hell all over the world. Yeah, I, I look at it this way. Like uh, if you if you're into like markets and shit, right, I look at it from almost like a business angle, right? Like in my day to day interactions with my customers, 
I'm, we're trading relational currency, right? How we treat each other, what we deliver for each other puts money in the bank on like how our relationship's going to work out. Right. It's the same thing with people in your neighborhood, same thing with your kids. And that's a point I, I want to stress that really got me like excitedly fired up when I came to meetings and started seeing kids. Cause I'm like, that's what we need. Right. Like I have my daughter's a voting member in Bucks County. She's 16. Wow. She can't vote in the election yet, but she's politically engaged. And when I hopefully, if you vote for me, uh, win Eastern vice chair, she, she'll be, she wants to get more involved. You know, my son's come along a little bit more, but you know, it's like, I'm the dad who I apologize. If you can hear Thunderdome going on with my cat and dog. No, That's no, no, dude, actually it's, okay. I can hardly hear it. But, uh, but it's like, with my son's friends uh, look, we just went tit for tat so i don't feel so bad but you know my son's friends like um uh, they come to my house like they text me when they have an issue they text me when they want advice like i'm the house every one stays at why because when they talk i listen i'm not i'm not trying to teach the kid a lesson i'm not listening to respond and from my perspective i'm like how I do anything is how I do everything, you know? So like, while I'm talking to you, like, I'm just, I'm listening to what you have to say and like waiting to be able to like, give. I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, what fuck what Kyle's saying? Let me just get my next thought ready so I can have it ready to fire out of the gun. And cause people can tell, man, I've had, I rubbed elbows with some of these like Republican douchebags at uh, like country clubs and shit. And it's yeah. like, I'm sitting here drinking like a hundred dollar scotch with this guy who has like no idea what real life is like. Just no idea. Probably barely struggled. You know what I mean? Like never had to worry about his lights getting turned off. Like we had, there's, we're not the same. Right. And that's, and that's the beauty of the Liberty people, regardless of just the LP. Like that's what I love the Liberty minded folks. I mean, some of them are a little, you know, you can, keep the Robbie Suaves and, and those guys, but, you know, <laughs> but yeah. for the most part, for the most part, they're all, they're all cool. Like they're cool people and they're interesting people and they have stories and lives. And they're like, I want to like get to know you. I want to be your friend. You know, it's like when we started talking on here, I'm like, I saw your guitars. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I, used to, I wish I played in a guitar. My buddy used to tell me, he'd be like, dude, just carry a guitar, guitar case around. You're actually in a band chicks don't care if you can play or not just carry it <laughs> like i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i i can attest i don't believe that really works that way funny enough um i'll try to keep this part short but i, I met my fiance at a show my cover band played at and uh yeah i don't know if she knew that i played the band but uh we we're both pretty hammered that night but uh you know i guess everything kind of worked out <laughs> yeah i just i i miss those days sometimes like Dude, there are so many like blurs, you know. But oh it my was just God, I, I love that shit. Like that was what got me. Like I had no idea what I was doing when I got. So I got a, uh, I had a little troubled period, you could say, and uh, got myself into trouble. Got a few DUIs, went away mm-hmm. for a little bit, came home, kind of had to rebuild my life. But in the process, I like found the church and stuff, and and because of my story people in the church were like hey let's elevate this guy and uh and i got invited to speak on like a easter sunday at a wow. church and the church handed me a check for like five thousand bucks for my ministry 
And I was like, I don't have a ministry. And like, well, you do now. All right, cool. So how's this work? And then before you know it, I'm like, I'm traveling. I'm fucking running churches. I had like multiple churches that were in our network. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wrote a book. I'm like, this is fucking nuts. Like, what kind of <laughs> life is this? Yeah. And, and but also it's like I just went and showed up it's kind of the same thing now I'm like I'll, I hope one day to be like sitting having a scotch with you talking about all the damage we did to the state you're like remember that time we were on the podcast and you're like man there's a little, it's a little rough right now like miss those times you know like right it's uh but I, I do miss like the you know out front stuff I like that. I think my personality is built for it. So I'm like, Hey, let's go. Like, I want to be in front of people. I want to talk to people about stuff I'm passionate about, whether it's Liberty or the Roman empire or fucking conspiracy theories. One of my favorite people, and I don't care what people think about him. One of my favorite people is Eric. He goes by Eric, not really. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, every time I talk to him, uh, like I, I have to ignore that the earth's flat, but the dude is a fucking monster, bro. He is a machine, mm. right? Like, if you're like, yo, I watched this thing, right? So I watched this documentary on 9-11, and they were talking about VMO. I'm just going for getting you kicked off the YouTube on this one. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you could clip this part. <laughs> but no, so basically, it's just this thing about, like, oh, the planes would have wobbled at that, like, the wings would have wobbled at that speed, uh, at that velocity and altitude. So I go in the chat with Derek and I'm like, hey, bro, tell me what you think about this VMO thing as it relates to 9-11. And this dude was showing me files. He's showing me studies. And like, it is, I'm like, you are my favorite person in the world, dude. I just have so much fun with that guy. I don't even know what he looks like. But when I meet him in Williamsport, I'm going to hug him and kiss his face because I have so much fun talking to that guy. <laughs> The Jeff Phil doesn't meet, melt still beams. Uh, check it out. Infowars.com. Buy my thick pills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the floor of my paint. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Bro, it's so funny because he'll send videos in that chat, and I'll be like, I'll be bored and stoned and, like, can't sleep. And I'll be like, fuck it. Let me check out one of Eric's videos. And I'll be, like, an hour in to, like, a five-hour video, and I'm like, is this guy making a good point right now? Like, I'm going to have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, how do I get too high and then be like, is the earth really round? Yeah, how the hell did we get the freaking green lights, blue lights, the clockwork elves running children through the interdimensional beings stuff? Oh, oh dude. You, you know, it's it's so crazy to me, that, that whole thing. But also, like, I understand some of that shit a little bit. I don't know mm-hmm. how you are with, like, in the drug world, but like I, I got out of the church. I was in the, I was in the church and was struggling with, you know, my belief system. I had kind of like studied myself out of faith, mm-hmm. uh, but I was making a lot of money. I was going a lot of places. My book was doing well. So like all the leaders in my life were like, well, if you have calendars on your date or dates on your calendar, just pray through it and keep on trucking brother, you know, like that kind of shit. And like my marriage is falling apart. My wife had an affair. <laughs> it's like a whole hot mess. So I'm like, I just, I had a conversation with this guy uh tony jones he's like a preacher he used to be a mega church pastor and quit and and started like a home church and homestead probably a libertarian guy to be honest with but um i i was having this conversation with him one time as it related to like uh how uh the church should handle like gay marriage and what like his advice were people who were like hey i don't like what the church is saying he was like get out 
And that was like literally the best advice he gave me to just like get out of that spot. Like, don't ask questions just for your own integrity, for your own self, get out. And that's something like I carry with me. So it's like you find yourself in these spots throughout life. You just got to get up, man. You got to get up. You got to go. And you got to try things that are scary. You got to try things that challenge your belief system. So I felt like, am I an atheist now? Like, actually, I think I am. And then I did DMT. <laughs> and I'm not an atheist anymore. I yeah. can't explain. Mm-hmm. I can't explain to you, like, in words, my experience, because it was the craziest thing I can ever experience. All I can tell you is that showed me that there's like something that's like inside of us that belongs in another place. And, uh, and however you square that up, if you want to square that up with the fucking Baha Gavita or Buddha or whatever, that's fine with me. I'm not really one to push a belief system, but it's Mm -hmm. like, man, and ultimately it gives you like now I have to live for something outside myself, right? Because now I'm like, I want to be in the best place possible when I get there. Like, I'm not in a hurry, but like, if this place is my home and that is, I, I want to do as much damage here in a positive way as I can. And, uh, and oddly enough, drugs took me there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've heard that said multiple times. Personally, I've never smoked weed or cigarette no i've I've drank more times more than more than i can even imagine to count but um that is something that's kind of been a growing interest of mine as of recently i don't know if i'll ever try it but um it seems like it is very very life-changing for a lot of people um dude we've been shooting the shit for over an hour now and it it flew by yeah i know (laughs) um Dude, we got to get a beer. Like we got to hang out. Man. Oh, for sure, for sure. We absolutely will, and we will do that when we're in Williamsport. Um, yes. I can't believe I can't believe that's a freaking month away. My God, know, how the fucking so time's close, flying. Right? Yeah, my my entire like next month is completely fucking booked up. When's I mean, the it, wedding again? Oh, sorry, um, I interrupted. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, my wedding's in November, and we're getting uh, married okay. down in Florida. So yeah, it's th- th- this year's just completely like. I'm running around like a madman, but I seriously could not be happier. Um, I'm going to let you go here, but I always got two questions that I half the time forget to ask my guests. Um, What does liberty look like to you? Liberty looks like we live in a world where people live outside themselves, but for themselves and allow others to do the same. Cool. Cool. Yeah. My, 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 my favorite one, I, I'm a huge Michael Malice fan. He's the guy, like, I had, like, broad pieces of anarchism before I, like, came across him. And when I, I, I love what he says is anarchy in his sentences, you don't speak for me. <laughs> like, that's, and to me, that's the ideal. That's my hippie utopia is that, like, if I want to have chickens in my backyard and my daughter wants to marry a chick, and we want to grow weed while we fire shotguns and machine guns out back. I should be allowed to do it as long as I'm not hurting anybody or, or fucking up my community. Like that's, that's what it is to me. Yeah. I think that's uh, beautifully simple. And I obviously 100% agree. Um, what does health look like to you? Health is a, a little more nuanced than I think people think. I think health is mental, spiritual, and physical. And you can't pour from an empty cup. So ultimately, uh, I personally learned this lesson the hard way because I kind of I couldn't go to the gym with COVID and all that shit. 
and they didn't have meat at the grocery store. So it was like, you know, I'm eating on crustables and, you know, pan pizzas and whatever DoorDash has. So like now I'm in a spot where like I just lost 15 pounds, but like I got 15 more to go. At least luckily I have the tools, but it's like my body felt like shit. Now I went to the doctor. I have to get, I have to go through this fucking treatment to get myself. So now I'm like, now I have, I like ate myself into a fucking condition that I have to get treated and be on medicine for a a handful of months to get over it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and it's, and I was dialed in. Right. And I'm like, so imagine someone who wasn't healthy before all that shit. So for me, it starts in your head first because that, that you got to start inside and then work outside, then work on the outside. So for me, it's, it's spiritual and mental are kind of connected for me. And ultimately like, I'm not, I'm not such a like strict person in terms of like nutrition and stuff, unless I'm like running a program and I'm like, Hey, I have this goal. Like when you, when I'm done this medication shit, I have to do, um, um, trust me, I'm going to, I'm turning 40 this year, bro. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm going to have visible abs for my 40th birthday. I don't care how much Tupperware I have to buy and I'm going to do it without <laughs> steroids. Yeah. So I'm like, so for me, but it's like, Hey, if I, if, if I want to get there, I got to fix this. I got to be okay in my internal life and I have to have a good relationship with the world around me and the people around me. Uh, so ultimately those things all work together, man. If you just, if you're just focusing on getting jacked, you're missing the point. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um, you know, all the money and the six pack abs and veins everywhere, even including your glutes. That don't mean nothing if you ain't happy about it, you know? If you have no sex, if you have no sex drive and you can't sleep right, you feel like shit and all your relationships suck. Is it really worth it to be a millionaire? That's as jacked the tan as possibly could be. Right. Personally, I don't think so. The day that I like really fall into a depression is the day that my dick doesn't get hard when I want it to. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, this has been a blast, man. Oh man. I love it. Let everybody know where they can find you, how they can support so, you. Uh, I'm only on Twitter. It's Anthony Porti, yo, Y-O, like for all the gringos out there. Uh, so you can, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't say a whole lot. I'm not like a big, like, throw my, I'd rather have a conversation with a person than send out a tweet. But I'm on there a little bit. I answer any questions people have. And, you know, anyone who's come to convention, I'll see you there. I hope that uh, I'll get your vote and then I get the chance to work with everybody. Awesome. Well, uh, this was definitely an awesome show. And I think that I will probably have you back on sometime, man. Yeah, um, dude, I'm down for it. For sure. Yeah. I got I mean, it, um, if I could just be a fly on the wall and then fucking Rob Wolf, Sean Baker, Roundtable. <laughs> I can I can text you questions. Like, just let me listen. I won't say anything. I'll just text you. Uh, maybe you'll get the uh, the link before it comes out. We'll see what we could do. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. All right, of course. Well, everybody, this is in Liberty and Health. Um, go throw Anthony some love on Twitter, and uh, if you're here in Pennsylvania. Um, I know who I, you know, who's got my vote, who's got my support, and I hope that he uh, had the same effect on you. So until next time, everybody, take care. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big.